Welcome everybody to Too Legit to Crit, a tabletop role-playing podcast hosted by two guys who could be AI if that meant absolutely fuck all intelligence. Oh, it's why why do you always have to cut me so deep with these intros? <laughs> I don't know. I just I, oh. I felt that was topical. Yeah. I think we, yeah. we have covered a lot of AI recently and yeah. and just having that as the, the intro. <laughs> you know, kind of worked. And I know that somebody somewhere has heard that and heard me say AI and all of a sudden clenched up like a fucker. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Right here. (laughs) (laughs) My name is John Santana. I am still Justin. Not changing that. You know, Justin, every now and again, you and I do discuss about how we have no fucking clue what we're doing on this show. Yes. And how nobody should really listen to us at all. Absolutely. And... So I thought it might be a good idea to actually bring someone on today who does know what they're talking about to kind of class up the joint a tiny bit. Yeah, I I wouldn't be against that. I think that'd be a a good shout. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, it is my great pleasure to introduce Johnny from Talking XP. Johnny, how's it going, man? It's it's going well. Uh, Just (laughs) a little tired from a super long road trip, but I'm here and I'm ready to talk. Let's get into it. When you told me that earlier, my question was, are you going to be all right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So uh, I drove, we started driving at, I think it was 3 p.m. of Pacific time because I'm I'm in the States, obviously, from the accent. Um, And uh, yeah, so Southern California to about middle of Oregon is about a 16 and a half hour drive so we started at around like 3 p.m ish hit some traffic and then finally got here at around seven in the morning around there so yeah it's um it's good so <laughs> how how much coffee have you kind of consumed yes so I, yeah pretty much yeah. That's, that is the right answer uh, so it's so weird because like yesterday weird to say that uh yesterday i had like two cups of coffee and then i had a monster like sometime between yesterday and today and the rest of it was a blur so i i honestly can't give you uh, an accurate number just an adrenaline fueled blur as, exactly as you're yeah. rocking that sugar high yeah oh. yep lot of a uh, lot of monster energy caffeine as well as a lot of critical role catching up because god i've been so behind on stuff that like i i actually caught up because of how long the road trip is it's great oh yeah no that is not a drive that i am jealous of in any way shape or form um so yeah um uh, yeah (laughs) i i don't think i've ever done any single thing in my entire life for 16 hours like just straight just yeah no fuck that Mm -hmm. yeah i'm a spaniard so i've not even been awake for that long it's true it's true (laughs) (laughs) those daytime naps man you gotta love them (laughs) i have done this drive because i did so I used to live in Southern California, like that's where I grew up. And then I went to college in Oregon. So I had made this drive at least like seven or eight times, or more than that actually, because there's been yep a lot more than ten, more than ten. We'll go with that. So this is just uh, another time of the year that I'm making this drive now, because that's how it goes with family in Southern California. Yeah, 
But I mean, like over here, we, we don't have that sort of distance to traverse. So like if we're on a long drive, which for us is three to four hours, maybe five, you know, we probably pack a few sweets. I mean, what the fuck do you pack for 16 hours? So we were supposed to have packed um, my friend. His mom makes uh, Salvadorian food. It's uh, pupusas, which is like like a tortilla type um, bread that has like beans or cheese or, or other types of things inside of it. We were supposed to have packed that. But we forgot it in my wife's parents' fridge, so that was cool. Um, But outside of that, uh, Cheetos, (laughs) hot Cheetos. Yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. I literally just finished a bag of Cheetos. That's quite funny. (laughs) You go through like an entire bag, at least one and a half, one, depends on, you know, the type of drive you're taking. But yeah, it was, yeah. Well, all this is to say we appreciate you massively joining us, even more so now that we know the ordeal (laughs) that you've had to go through just to get here. No big deal. So I'm fairly certain that people know more about who you are than we. Um, Which is wild. Wild, by the way. Like I'm still in that whole like imposter syndrome realm of stuff. This, yeah. So yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm with you on the whole. People don't really know me. Oh, 100%. They know who you are. I think people will be tuning in for the first time and going, "Who are these two English? Well, fucks? Good, yeah, good. <laughs> who the fuck are these other two? Shut up, shut up. Can we just, can we just, can we just mute them and listen to Johnny talk for an hour and a half? Just hit mute on both uh, individually. That's <laughs> yeah, fine. The one in red looks dodgy. Fuck him. Um, <laughs> So why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? Um, what sort of things um, have you been doing? Um, I, obviously, I know I've been doing my homework, but you know, for for our listeners out there who doubtfully don't know you, and for Justin, because I know he probably doesn't. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh. So, man, I recently have been getting a lot more into candela obscura um typically i run on mondays uh, a DD podcast where we're i'm running curse of strahd but yeah recently i've been getting into candela obscura which has been really cool because i really have only ran D 5e so getting into a new system like candela which is so different from D has been really cool just in general for Understanding how to run the game and stuff like that, but um, yeah, I, I did a a whole how to learn Candela Obscura or how to play Candela Obscura series on YouTube, and um, which ended up getting um, Darrington Press's attention apparently, which was pretty fucking sweet. They uh, <laughs> sent uh, they sent me an email one one night. They were like, "Hey, we want to send you a thing." I was like, "Oh." Yeah, so <laughs> got the book for that, which is great. Um, but yeah, that that I have a few uh, actual plays that I've recorded and posted on my YouTube channel as well on that Candela um, playlist on YouTube, which is great. So I have like how to play and then examples of how to play. And uh, but outside of that, I've been doing just random like one offs as well. Like we had this DMV DM 
little thing where we had like one DM controlling a team of goblins and then I think I was the goblins and then another DM that was controlling the kobolds and then we had another DM that was like kind of running stuff so we had like us just fighting for a specific like it was kind of like capture the flag uh kind of setup it was super cool for the first part and then the second part was I ran uh Tiamat the aspect of Tiamat and then uh Jack the uh, Jack Gogsbane is his name, um, his social media handle. Uh, he was running his like homebrew, like really powerful dragon, and he likes to go for those like high powered, like you know, we stop at twenty, but we can keep <laughs> going if you really want to, kind of kind of campaigns. So his his dragon was like super buff and like did a whole bunch of damage. It was super cool. I really enjoyed doing that. And oh, and then I did. Uh, I just started a a new series called Sliding Out of the DMs, where we bring a bunch of forever DMs, and we actually get to play a game. It was super cool. I had a, um, I had a great cast of folks on that, and we're actually going to be coming back a little bit later. But outside of that, that's that's pretty much what I've been doing, and then doing stuff like this, and appearing on podcasts, and hanging out with friends, all that. I mean, it's it's absolutely amazing because I I first kind of bumped into you on Threads, which you know over the past few weeks I've been singing its praises massively because mm. yeah. Threads is a wild, yeah, it's mad, isn't it? It's it's mm-hmm. insane. Just this yeah. community that's been created, um, like creative tabletop role playing players and GMs and mm-hmm. and everything, and that's where I I kind of first started following you. And when we started talking, I started listening to your D&D show, which, to be mm. fair, is the closest I'm ever going to get to to uh, learning about <laughs> the Curse of Strahd. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fantastic. And it's the Raven Lost Mistfits. Yeah, yeah. I came up with a name because, oh God, we had like, we had random... I can't remember what we... Came, I think it was like Barovia Misfits before, like without the T, and then it was like... Nah, let's do and then and then I, I ended up making that pun with the mist and fits at the very end. And I think I think it's perfect. I think it totally fits the mm. the vibe of this campaign. It's so yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> it is it is really good. And I must say I do enjoy your GM style. Um well, thank it's you. very fluid, very moving. There's there's not much sort of delay in anything. Which yeah. even because I know you know, actual plays do have to kind of um, change their gaming style for the cameras. But even other actual plays that I've seen, there's always a bit of delay. You are very quick on the draw. You are very quick to to kind of, all right, I want to do this. I want to attack. And the description comes almost immediately. And it's it's engaging, which yeah, is that's... which is a really hard thing to accomplish. So well done on that. Thank you. That's actually one of the things that I I always wanted to make sure that I did. And and actually, I don't re- like if I'm being completely honest, I don't think I really changed my DMing style too much for the show. I think I think one of the, the things with my style, though, is that it is made for this kind of stuff. Like I, I DM'd very similar to what I saw in like Matt Mercer and uh, and, you know, Brennan and all of the, you know, top 
DMs that you see all over the internet, um, where it's like, you know, quick, you get the description, you know what you're doing. Okay, cool. What's your turn? And then go to the next and then go to the next and go to the, because also it is required to do that during combat because of how fucking long it takes to do D&D 5e <laughs> combat. Like it just it's one of those yeah. things, like to keep anybody engaged, you have to keep it going. Like yeah. if you don't, then it's just disconnect and then oh sorry it's my turn they're texting over there it's like yeah no i get it don't worry um <laughs> but but yeah like actually it's it's pretty funny too because my in-home game uh it, it was actually not really a great mesh sometimes with like my dming style and the way that they wanted to play because it was more they wanted to play more modular where it's like fuck travel time who cares let's just show up at the place kill some monsters go back do the things and i wanted more of like rp and like mm. you know delving into the story that i have behind the screen and stuff like that which ended up making it ended up wanting me to like motivating me there you go that's the word i was looking for it ended uh ended up motivating me to create txp and creating ravenloft misfits because there was like that piece that i was missing in my dming and I think that it definitely like fit the puzzle piece and it was like perfect. So, but thank you. I appreciate the compliments. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, honestly, I've, I've listened. I haven't really got that far into it because I don't really have time to listen to, I, to yeah, podcasts yeah. as much anymore. But I've, I think about three or four episodes in and it is, it is fantastic. It is, it is definitely Made me more interested to hear more. Like I said, I'm not going to play Curse of Strahd. Um, so it's my and way of kind of engaging with the story. Exactly. That's kind of like the audience where it's like, I mean, you could try and play Curse of Strahd, but like, I understand how fucking impossible it is to find a DM and three or four other players to meet consistently weekly or even every two weeks. I yeah, get it. That's not the reason often. that John's not going to be playing Curse of Strahd. <laughs> oh, really? Now he he is not a big fan of Five E. Um, I'm the Five E person here. I get that. Um, yeah, he's not a big fan of Five E. So yeah, it's um, it's although saying that I've actually as I, I've basically played Five E for the entirety of apart from the the intro to like tabletop role playing games where I played Pathfinder me and John started at the same time the same same campaign there but ever since then I've pretty much exclusively been 5e I've still never played any of like the big 5e um like stuff like Curse of Strahd uh, Tomb of yeah. Annihilation I still haven't played any of them um and it's one of those where I, it's for how long I've been playing it to have not played those almost feels like a sin at this point <laughs> 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 they they have a i don't it's not necessarily a saying but there is a there is an assumption essentially amongst the 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 sort of pathfinder community mm. when someone posts on like one of the the boards or something oh yeah i've just finished this adventure path there's almost a celebration because the amount of adventure paths that kind of start and fizzle mm. out yeah. just because of table right. logistics and yeah care and yeah interest <laughs> there that's the that's what i was going to say too is like i've started tomb of light annihilation i've started storm king slender i've started a previous curse of strat game it's like once you start getting into like the like the meat of the campaign mm. that's when everybody's like all right i don't have a new character anymore or 
Mm. I don't really know where we're going in this campaign or this is taking a lot more of a toll in my scheduling or mm. I have adult things that I have to do, which totally yeah. understandable. All of them. <laughs> yeah, that pesky being adult thing gets in the way a lot, not gonna lie. Yeah. Yeah. God, I miss COVID. <laughs> That's that's where this came from. That's where TXP came from with COVID. Because I was like, I need to do something. I need to do something. And yeah, I'm so glad I did. Like this is this is what I've wanted to do for a while. Yeah, I mean the amount of gaming I got done during that time was just fucking It was yeah. it was it was wrong almost. See, I I had the opposite. Um because, like, I mean, I I really struggle, and John knows this because he's tried to include me in a few of his games. I really struggle with playing online. Um, mm, I get that, and, it, and it, I mean, it, it's it's entirely a me thing. It's not like any other thing. It's just any time I'm playing online, because of the amount of distractions I've got on my PC. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and with multiple monitors as well. It's so easy to be like, okay, I'll, I'll pull up the campaign there and I'll, I'll do something over here and I'll do something else over here. And then you're like, oh, oh, we finished? Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I didn't yeah. take in any of that. Uh- <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I, I 100% get that. And that is, that is, I think, one of the other things that I had with my, my home game too, is that like... Mm. I, I personally have ADHD, and then a lot of my uh, players have ADHD, so it was like one of those things where it's like, hey, so uh, yeah, and then we're going to go to you, and then, and then we're, and then we're going we're gonna to go to you. Oh, sorry, me? I was like, yeah, yeah, you, and then, you know, all that stuff, but it's been a lot more smooth mm-hmm. doing it on stream because everybody's like, here for yeah. a reason this is why i'm here yeah, like, yeah. rather than like three monitors of doing you know whatever yeah, you're doing yeah. as, i mean i think i think that's it as well like i mean it's because I, I even struggle like sometimes playing like video games i'll struggle sometimes as well because so i end up playing like three or four accounts at once because mm, I, just, I just need something to to kind of go right okay that's happening so i can do something over here now but it is it's it's i mean i, I also have um a, a form of adhd um mm. so it is definitely that that gives me the issues but i know there's something about playing at the table for me that that doesn't become a problem um and i think it's partially just because like if i do start to to wander it'll be to have a conversation with somebody at the table or it's still around the table, if that makes sense. And I think that that's, yeah. Whereas the, the online games always struggle with that because you can't have a conversation with player B because then you're just talking over the game because you're all on the same like Mm -hmm. voice channel and stuff. And yeah. So that was always a bit of a struggle for me. And it's, and it's always, and I'm guessing it's the accessibility to, to distractions that you have when you're playing online because yeah. you are sat in front of a computer you are sat in front yeah. of what for yeah. many of us is our entire world our entire entertainment system yeah. so sat in front of it and trying to pay attention in the meantime i'm just gonna kind of go over here and start yeah. looking shit up mm-hmm. yeah. whereas at a table everything kind of it's is there surrounds the game in mm. general whether you're talking to right. someone next to you or whether you're looking at the book that's in front of you it's yep. all within the same activity as it were yeah and you don't have three monitors <laughs> and you don't have three monitors <laughs> yeah well <laughs> oh really now <laughs> and and i think justin knows now that looking at porn whilst playing at the table is normally frowned upon 
So why do you keep doing it? I, I, <laughs> as, a know, G, okay, as, as a GM, I've got my <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I mean, so at, at my table, there is still a lot of screens, um, mainly because I, I have a, a TV, like, battle map and, and oh, stuff like that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I have one so of those, too. Uh, it's so much like, fun. It's, it's so cool. It's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah, like, I'll have my laptop behind the screen and then just, like, put up the map, put some yeah. minis on it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's super cool. Um, I mean, I've also got, like, I've got two 3D printers, um, and I've got, like, a next to, like, on, on this side of where I'm sitting now as well, I've got, like, a bunch of stuff for making foam terrain pieces and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's... It's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. I the next part that I'm getting into is gonna be the 3D printing. I still don't have one. I don't have like so I, I've I've kind of just like told myself that I'm gonna hold off until I have a house mm. because I'm still in apartment living because the US is fucked, but that's another story. Um <laughs> That's a but, different yeah, podcast. <laughs> yeah, different podcast. Uh, I'm just kind of holding myself back because I'm like mm. I I don't have that much room in here. I want to get a 3D printer, but at the same time, yeah. They don't take up a lot of space. You got to be careful with Justin because he is a salesman. Yes. The amount of money I've had to fucking spend do, do you since have, starting this podcast. <laughs> do you have space for a one meter desk anywhere? Say no. I Say mean, no. I might. Because <laughs> because both of my 3D printers are sitting in a one meter space. Okay. They don't take a lot of space. Um, and then, You're going to have yeah. to send me a link. Oh, yeah. Definitely. 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 Because I also haven't done any uh, <laughs> research into any of the 3D printers. So that'll be my next step then. You want to get a resin one and a filament one and we'll leave it there. <laughs> cool. Cool. Yeah. All right. Okay, cool. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll go down a big rabbit hole and John will just sit there. <laughs> I- you guys, you guys crack on. I know you. I know you get off on people spending money, Justin. It's very much so. Thing. Yeah, it's, I'm it's, not here to shame you. You, you <laughs> lean into that. But yeah, no. So the, the resin one, are. resin one uh, is for your minis um, because it gets a much finer detail on them. And then the filament right. one you'll use for like terrain pieces, so like little bridges and stuff like that. Um, okay. Because you don't care so much about the detail on those because they're just like background pieces. And I'm guessing filament is like a little bit cheaper than it is resin and um, stuff, so yeah, it, it tends to like be a bit of a quicker print as well. So that's why it's really good for the terrain pieces. Um, and sure. then yeah, the minis obviously you want those to be really detailed, like because especially yeah. then you could do them like for your players and stuff. Um, right. Because there's there's yeah. a bunch of websites where they can go like you've got like Hero Forge and there's a yeah, bunch Hero of other Forge, ones yeah. um, where you can go and like that's customize cool. it and then you buy the Estelle file for like I think it's like seven ninety nine or something like that. It's um, cheap, yeah. And then and then you just print it out yourself. Like it's so easy. Cool. Yeah, I'm. I'm not <laughs> partaking in this conversation. I, yeah. I don't have the space. I don't have the interest, and I do not. I've never had the interest in minis. Um, mm. Just because I can't be fucked painting them. <laughs> that yeah, no, for sure. Painting them is kind of a big hurdle to like a big mountain to look at just mm. like holy shit i need to get all of the paints i need to actually be good at painting i need to know how to do like the undercoat and the overcoat and then what the f- do i put on the outside of it and yada 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 so which i'm sure could like all be fixed in like one simple youtube video oh, but like i can fix it for you now there's <laughs> contrast paints 
where basically all you do is you do a base coat of roughly the color you want, contrast paint, and that gives you all of the detail. Job done. <laughs> right on. Yeah, I would. S- I would still find a way to fuck that up. Oh, right. I do, yeah. but uh, it's also use, one of those things like I would use a red paint, and somehow it would end up yellow. <laughs> because- Great job. But that's the thing. Then it, 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 that's a yellow one. It's fine. Yeah. You got to remember, like at the end of the day, all of this isn't like no, nobody's going to sit here and be like, uh, "Those are meant to be red." And if you do have somebody at that at your table, tell them to fuck off. Yeah, like, actually, that, like, that, that's actually a door. I suggest you use it. <laughs> you tell me what color that is, motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. What color's the door? Can you, and what about on the other side? And just close it for yeah, me. Go, go tell me what the other side of the door is. Yeah. So good. Back, back in the days when I used to like do Warhammer, I just used to pay somebody to pay paint them for me. That is the other option. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. There is a lot Warhammer. of things on like Fiverr and stuff where you can get that done as well. Yeah. Fiverr. That, yeah, that's a good mm. point. I, I always forget that Fiverr is a thing. Like, yeah, that's a, that's a great place to find a painter. To just, yeah. Because Warhammer, especially, like those, yeah. that's heavy, like heavy yeah. mini. And I mean, s- some of those guys are just insanely good at painting as well. Yeah. Um, like I, I, cause I, like we've got a Warhammer shop near, near where we live and, um, I go in there like all the time cause it's literally down the road from me. Um, and I go in there all the time and like, I, I paint stuff and obviously cause you know, I do the minis and the, the terrains and I go in there with some of the stuff I've painted and I put it next to the stuff that they've painted. I'm like, Oh, I'm going home. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to take this. Back <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh, is that the time? Huh, look at that. Throw them in a box, walk <laughs> out the door. And then like <laughs> 20 minutes prior, you're like, man, this looks really cool. I want to go show it off. Yeah. And then, yeah, never mind. Never yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. And like, I think the worst thing was the, the one time I went down there. So, I had a bunch of things that I'd painted and I was really proud of how they turned out. And I went down there, not to like show them off, like just to like go and play a bit. And there was another guy that had the same army and his paint job was like, Oh no. Astronomically better than mine. (laughs) And I was just like, I I walked in, like I had them all out and I was ready to play. And then he put his out on the table. I was like, Oh, okay. So I'm just going to, it's like i'm gonna go get something to eat real quick um did you did you not try blagging it and just swapping out one of his for yours i was like these 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 aren't these aren't finished yet um uh, yeah i'll just kind of pick one of his up Uh, i think that one's mine isn't it it's gonna go in my butt swap yeah oh but yeah He, he gets home and opens his box and goes Fuck what? <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck did this one? <laughs> Was I drunk? <laughs> Who better this? A three-year-old? <laughs> oh. So I want to go back. John, you don't like D and D five E. No. Why? I'm curious. Um <laughs> Not that like initially. your opinion is like bad, but like I'm just curious <laughs> what you don't like about the system. Well, initially it was, I did try it. I, I started trying to run the, uh, was it Horde of the Dragon Queen? Oh yeah. I um, so oh, I, right. I did start running I, yeah. that. I, I ran a couple of levels of it and back then I was very married to Pathfinder. I was very mm. much kind of like Justin is now with 5e, but with Pathfinder. So that kind of put me off. Um, sure. 
but I I kind of do acknowledge that that was somewhat unfair on my part. However, since then, my logic has always been, I have a high fantasy system that I enjoy, that works for me. I've got no interest in trying out something yeah. else. Mm. Then it's be, then that's kind of evolved into into somewhat of an anti-establishment arianism of you know this system get, gets far more recognition than I feel mm-hmm. it deserves. Not to say yeah. anything about the system itself, but more how people are company. so. Then we've then we've got the company on top of that. And that has just cemented my, yeah, fuck this. I am not totally understand. It. Yeah, and honestly, like that is super valid. I are you playing Pathfinder just one E or are you did you hop over to two? No, over, I yeah. made I made the switch to two E. Um it just it it's it is, cool. Is good, it yeah. is a really good yeah. system. Yeah. I I just briefly looked over and we did like one random one shot where actually in our Ravenloft Misfits like our cast actually played it and it was uh shit what did we call it uh Curse of Sean <laughs> and it was like this this one off like little thing where like our characters were morphed into like some other universe where we made them into Pathfinder 2E characters we played a one shot that was ran by one of our uh players and it was so much fun it was great but that was one of the first introductions. That was the introduction for me playing Pathfinder 2E, and I I loved it because of how like versatile all of the character creation is. Like you can pick so many different routes. Like obviously, there's the clear route of like if you're making the alchemist and you want to make you know the bomber. Like there's obviously every time that you get a new feat, there is a bomber type. But then there's more on top of that that you can then create, and you could also go down. The uh, like the healing type or the the more mutation type. It's super interesting, but yeah, I don't blame you for for not heading over to D anD D if you already have Pathfinder because that's kind of the exact position that I'm in, except opposite. Mm. You know, yeah, and it just sucks that D anD D's company. Yeah, yeah they kind of screwed us a little bit. Not gonna lie, that's <laughs> yeah, that's like the one thing. I mean, there's a lot to like about Five E. Um, I, I like the advantage-disadvantage mechanic. Mm. I like lair actions. I like legendary actions for creatures. I think it makes them really sort of versatile and makes them unique, which you don't get in any other system. Um, but it's a lot of it is the, the, the sort of fan base, of the, like the rabid fan base of, okay, yeah. so I'm going to just get this system, which is designed for high fantasy, and hammer it into yeah. a Lovecraftian horror yeah. when there are a thousand systems out there that do Old that Cthulhu. much mm-hmm. better. Monster and of the Week, if you really want to try that out. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I love like, Monster of the Week. Monster of the Week is great. <laughs> it's, it's so great. good. <laughs> I, I haven't, it's so funny. Like I, I talk about all these different types of TTRPGs that I've looked into, but I've never played. But mm. like Monster of the Week is great. Like I'm just so looking good. over it. It looks like it's so much fun. Like you just yeah. create this monster, you go and investigate, and you get to do whatever the fuck you want. Like, like the, it's super so applicable to anything. The the guy that runs our Fabula Ultima game, um, he also has run a couple of uh, Monster of the Week sessions for. I think it, you've played one as well, haven't you, John? 
Yeah, um, I played yeah. one with Chris. Yes, Chris and, I and me and Scott played in another one that was eventually he was going to bring all four of us together into one as well. That's um, cool. But scheduling and whatnot just never never happened, unfortunately. Right. Those great adulting things we discussed earlier. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah you know, but like for for someone like me who's like I love Supernatural, the TV show. Oh. To then play that, I was like, oh, this is just supernatural, like, in a game. This is amazing. I loved right. it. Um, yeah. And it's just so good, like, because it takes, like, all of those, like, supernatural-type shows, like, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Supernatural and all of the other variations therein. And, like, you want to play that character? Cool. There's a way to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I did enjoy Monster of the Week. Mm. Um, you know, again, huge Supernatural fan. And it just gave me 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 the ability to. I think I was playing like a dean sort of character. Same. So, so I was I was being a bit of a dick, but that's just me in general. So while we're on the topic of systems, mm. um, Johnny, you like you said earlier, you are very invested in uh, Candela Obscura, which is something that we have mentioned. We've never actually covered it on the show. So could you tell us a bit more about that? Sure. Yeah. Um, so Candela Obscura is actually really simple. Um, <clears throat> it's based off of the Blades in the Dark system, um, which, I mean, if you know how that works, you're you're pretty much like 90% of the way there. Um, they just kind of relabel a lot of the things. Um, so one of the things with Blades in the Dark is that your roles are based on like flashbacks that you have, whereas in this, you know, Candela Obscura, it's more present. One through threes are obviously a, a fail. Four and five is a mixed mixed success. God, it's so hard to say that sometimes. Mixed success. And then uh, six is a full success, whereas if you get multiple sixes, it's a crit. So with that base system, you have um, one, of the, one of the hardest things, I guess, as a GM, in my opinion, is those mixed successes and figuring out what happens. Because, like... They succeed, but what is that cost that you're putting into there? Like, do they take damage? But why do they take damage? Mm. Like, you can't you can't have them like trying to you know lock pick a door and then take a body mark because how would that happen? Like, they could and then a brain mark for trying to pick a lock doesn't make any sense. And then bleed maybe depending on the lock itself, but. It's hard to do that, but then that's when I started bringing in like fears of mm. the players. So I, or not the players, the characters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I would ask the players. I'd be like, "Hey, give me one or two fears that you're willing to explore in this game. That way, if I am in this corner of there is literally nothing that I can do to give you a cost because it's like you succeed or you don't, and that's it. That's when I start bringing in like mm. character information." And like maybe flashbacks of like how they were before and how that is similar to what this is now and how that mm. like creates this fear. Um, and that has been super helpful. But outside of that, it's very similar to Call of Cthulhu and Monster of the Week, where it's like it's one shot based. You have something that is. You know, at the end of this one shot, you you investigate, you grab it, you bring it back to Candela Obscura, you figure out the whole weave of the story and how this monster or thing or whatever this is, this phenomenon, 
um, occurred and you try to help as much as you can minimize damage while securing whatever it is. Uh, so one of the things that I really compare it to is I don't know if you've ever played the game Control. It is a video game based on mundane items having like extraordinary abilities. Mm. So like there was a stoplight that would, you know, make you stop as you're trying to like rush towards it or yellow and green. And then there was if you did. try. Oh, no, that's right. It was basically playing red light, green light. So if you were trying to rush up and grab it and it hit red, you would start from the beginning and then you'd have to do it all over again. And there's like, I can't remember what the item was, but it was something, it was like a toaster or something. And if you took your eyes off of it, it disappeared or it like grew bigger or something like that. And so you, you find these like random logs all throughout this like vault that they have of all Mm. of these. I think they actually call it phenomenon as well. Um, and it's, that one is more like the wacky side of stuff. Whereas this one is more of like the horror side of stuff. Mm. Like if you stop looking at this thing, it starts approaching you or something like that. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Like, there's like, yeah, Dr. Who. No, there's, there's a YouTube short of this guy that gives somebody a box and inside there's just like this black hole. And every time he looks away from it, there's like a guy that's in there, right? And every time you look away, he's just like a little bit higher <laughs> up. <laughs> and it's, it is terrifying. You should right. watch it. It's crazy. I'll, I'll have to find the name of it, but it is, <laughs> gosh, it is so terrifying. But anyways, yeah, it, it, it kind of delves into that like horror story of horror side of investigating and, you know, taking a lot of uh marks more like scars like you you're not unscathed going Mm. through these investigations and it really leans into that because it is pretty dangerous um you can you can get to that point of like taking scars and going unconscious pretty quickly if you're not super careful I mean, it, I find it interesting that you compare it to Blades in the Dark because I, I am very aware yes. of Blades. Um, ran it a few times, thoroughly enjoy it. So no doubt, I think if I were to play Candela, I'd, I'd thoroughly enjoy that mm. too. There are a couple of things that you said that, that obviously because you said like body marks and brain marks, is that essentially their equivalent to the, to the damage track? Right, yeah. So marks basically work. There is a set of three that, well, actually four technically. You have three that you're like keeping track of, and keeping track of. And if you go over that, uh, that's when you become incapacitated. That's when you get a scar, mm. and that's when you actually take one of those action points that you have, and you actually move it into a new one. And that's supposed to be like a lesson learned from why you got your scar, how you're going to be being different how you're going to be mm. playing your character differently and um that's interesting yeah i like it's that. super interesting because now that's that's like the first what time that you can have like a three-point action um so like move is like rushing and dodging and um you know just running away from something or catching something and then there's like strike which is like fighting and things like that hide of course and control which is like shooting driving and doing like more finesse stuff 
but you're not able to get three points in the very beginning of when you create your character and you only level up every four ish assignments. So you're like, it's pretty dangerous. And the, and the probability of you making it through those four adventures and even the probability of your GM even having more than four ideas for (laughs) (laughs) different one shots, like, alone is not really probable Mm. so this is like kind of the first way that you can actually get those three and you kind of have to have as many dice as you can yeah which is where you also have drive points uh those are like each drive point has just one d6 that you add to your roll and the only way to get those back is gilded die which is a different colored dice it's their way of like keeping you able to at least succeed a little bit of the time. Um, but your gilded die are only specific actions that you have, which is like your character specialty. Okay. So yeah. So you use drive quite a lot. So in the character creation, you get one that's specific to your specialty. You have roles and specialties, which is like class and subclass. Mm. Yeah. Um, but there's one gilded action specific to your specialty and then one that you get to pick. So I always encourage people to pick the one that like you think you're going to be using a lot with your character, because if you don't, you're missing out on a lot of resources. And that's one of the biggest cruxes of Candela, which is like you, if you go crazy with your resources on like a three shot session two and three are going to be, tough because you have like resistances where you get to if you fail something you get to re-roll with however many action points you have not drive points because you could have like five on this roll fail all of them and you can have like one action point in like a hide action or something like that Mm. fail all those five you go back you use a resistance to re-roll just one and hope for the best and then you have um So you have those and then you have like in between each assignment, you have your Candela resources that you could use, but you only have the amount of players plus one of resources that you can use throughout your uh, throughout the there's like this illumination tracker to keep track of your leveling. By the end of it, it refreshes your resources. So pretty much every four assignments that you have, that's when it refreshes and each of them are specific to one player. So like you can refresh one player's marks. Mm. You can refresh one player's drives and resistances. So that makes it a lot more like you need to be strategic in how you use your resources. Like, do you really need to use three drive points to con- to persuade this guard that, you know, you have a bigger, you know, whatever <laughs> than they do? Like, do you really need to use it? Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right and you know what like that <laughs> but, no. but like it is it is definitely uh i i really enjoy it in terms of horror because of that reason where mm. it's like you start off you're good yeah cool whatever and sometimes you know you're a little bit stingy because you want to make sure that you have resources going forward and then it just gets worse 
Just worse and worse and worse. It's so good. I think I do think that's the keystone of a good horror game. Yeah. Um. Because yeah, D, you, you get you can get horror in D and D. You can get horror in Pathfinder. And yeah, narratively there are these horrific elements. But until you start on precious resources yeah. and chipping away at that, the the horror doesn't set in. My favorite horror game is Delta Green, where you've got your in, you've got so your sanity. Good. Where everything you do, it it picks away, and you become more and more unstable, and there are quite dire consequences because of that. Blades in the dark, you've got your stress that yes. anything that happens, you can resist damage, but you're going to take stress instead. And then they do also have like a long-lasting effect. These mm. are not things that oh, I'm gonna have a Night in a tavern, I'm going to sleep well. It'll be fine. Cleric's going yeah. to cleric, and I'm right. going to feel fine in the yeah. morning. Yeah. When yeah. you Just have... an eight-hour nap. Yeah. 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 It's amazing when... what eight hours of sleep will do. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't had eight hours sleep in the past eight years. Same. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when, when you have a horror element that does chip away mm. at those those resources, it becomes very claustrophobic, very real for want yeah. of a better word yeah and i think that's fantastic and i did see justin get visibly aroused <laughs> when you reference resource management and he just went huh. <laughs> yeah i mean it's, it's us i love it i love it <laughs> what are the actually okay so not really specifically resources with your character but resources like in the game mm. one of the really interesting things about candela as well is like you have gear that you can use and it, you have a maximum of three that you can pick per assignment right mm. but you don't have to pick them until it becomes relevant so you're playing and it's like to simulate like your investigators are ready and they know yeah. what they're doing and they're preparing themselves yeah. so like there's like bleed detectors there's bleed containment vials there's uh you know chemist equipment and things like that that you can have as well as like actual weapons like handgun and stuff like that uh, but like you don't have to pick that in the very beginning and that's one thing that I actually really like mm -hmm. um, outside of that resource management because it fucking sucks to yep. pick a chemical yeah. you know chemist equipment and then you go in and you're like oh, I didn't need that there is absolutely <laughs> zero applications for this yeah. item great I'm fuck all today yeah like, yeah that's yeah. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to do that I think that's quite a modern um, system thing because yeah. I think that's probably one of the things that is borrowed from Blades in the Dark because mm. they, they do the same sort it's of that, thing. that kind of flashback yeah. thing. Right. No, exactly. that, yeah, I mean, the flashback. The, re yeah. the resource management is where you pick light, moderate, or heavy mm. depending on, on the load you want to carry and that gives you a certain amount of items right. which you can say, okay, I've got rope. However, right. it does take away one thing. I love it when I'm GMing Pathfinder and they're preparing to go out on whatever quest that they're and they start buying all this shit unnecessarily and i just it just fills me with joy oh yeah so yeah. we're gonna need we're gonna need um holy water no you're not <laughs> fucking go for it spend that yeah gold. right yeah yeah I, th I think as well like the, the thing for me that um with the whole resource management and stuff like that and and having them be like so vital is it also kind of creates like a, an atmosphere around the table as well. Because if a yeah. player goes to use a resource, everyone else is like, why? 
why are you using that? <laughs> and not only that, but like you can feel the tension. Yeah. When there's like a really high stakes roll and you're out of drive points and you don't have a resistance and you have one point in this action and this is literally life or death. Like everybody is holding their breath to see if you get like a four, five, or a six. Let's hope to God it's a six, but I mean, I'll take a four and a five to get that next success. But like, you can feel it. And even online, like we have, I've had, I think six different sessions now and I'm planning a seventh. All of them have had those points where like, and even in just one shot, mm. all of them have had that point where like, everybody's like, oh my God, are you, are we going to die right now? Like, is this, and like, that's one of the secrets too of Candela, which is like, you need to get forced. Like once you hit four scars, that's when you're dead. That takes 16 different marks in a row to get to that point which is a lot. Mm. But more than that, you also have like, you know, the other marks that you could take during that time. And you can also refresh your marks. So it doesn't necessarily mean just those 16 marks. But it also like, it's one of those things that like, is terrifying because you're like, if I get a scar, I'm just that much closer to death and I'll have to move like one of my action points, yada, yada, yada. But like, it's, it's one of those things where like, you're not, really gonna die per se unless you go incapacitated in the mouth of the monster and everybody leaves you like then you know you you're shut up yeah, it's, it's, like, it's over at that point <laughs> that sounded like experience <laughs> right yeah exactly that yeah. sounded like something that's happened at your table <laughs> so listen <laughs> not to call yeah, anyone happened. out but yes <laughs> yeah that one was a more of a D&D thing, but still it could happen in in yeah. Candela Obscura. So, yeah, I mean like you're <laughs> you're not really going to get that close to death unless you're just really terrible with your rolls, like and that happens too. But I think one Oh yeah, Justin, you're the one. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Justin's rolls are a thing of legend. Yep. Um I make I make Will Wheaton look like he rolls well. Oh no! Yeah. Oh no! It is. It's so funny. If there watch. is ever a critical moment, do not get me to roll the dice. Oh, Speaking no. of which, I'm actually getting dice out for the question. Oh yeah, yeah, Let's yeah. Go. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, like me and me and dice rolling is it? It, it doesn't go well. Um, it's a love hate relationship. Like you love rolling dice, but the yes, dice hate yes, you. yeah, all yeah. dice. Cool. I even right. So this is how bad it was. I roll so many nat ones that I was like, well, this is just terrible. Um, then I found a. It was like a war game where rolling ones is good and twenties is bad. So I was like, sweet, I'm gonna play that. I rolled yep. nothing but twenties. Twenties, yep. <laughs> nothing but twenties. Yep. It's, I think oh, it's fantastic. I, I it strongly disagree. <laughs> endless amounts of entertainment. <laughs> the, actually, the only time I roll well is if I'm DMing. So, like, God, and doesn't that just suck sometimes too? It's yeah. like you. Okay, I know, okay, Justin, you and I are on the same page. With <laughs> CR, CR is fucking bullshit. Yes, I ignore like, it. You try as much. Like, yeah. I had, I had an encounter like a couple weeks ago that was like supposed to be. A, a difficult, not like deadly, but yeah. difficult. It turned out to be deadly out of nowhere. And I was like, well, shit. And then I <laughs> kept rolling really well, like crits every yeah. other turn. Like it was off. 
And it's crazy how that can change an entire encounter yeah. with just like a, a couple crits. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it very quickly sometimes. goes from like, oh yeah, this is going to be a pretty decent fight to, oh you're you're all you're all uh, mm, okay, um, okay. Uh, yeah, quick, think up some dialogue. Uh- <laughs> but, right, but to be honest, the, the CR system, I had problems with that in Pathfinder yeah. First Edition as well, because um, it is the, essentially this is, is the same math. Yeah, and it and just it's, that's it's pretty a much shit D&D system. Three point five, right? Yeah, that's yeah. what I've heard. Yeah, it's like yeah it was. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, yeah. It's a CR, the CR system is really shit. It, it just doesn't work. <laughs> um, it's lethal at low levels. It gets insignificant Super. at high levels. Yeah. yeah. And that's, I'm, I'm, that's I do hope part. that when they bring out D&D 1, although it's not called It's not D&D called 1 D&D anymore. anymore. It's just D&D. <laughs> it's D&D 1. 1 D&D. 2 D&D. I don't give a shit. Um, I'm yeah, hoping I- that they do actually fix that in a way. I, th- I think the problem you're going to have, right, is... A lot of the the issues with CR comes from people not utilizing, or, or not utilizing, that's the wrong word, but like not putting together, or the, or the party dynamic not being set for that particular thing. Right. Um, yep. Like, for example, um, an intro session that I, I was a player in um, was entirely built for my cleric to shine, right? It was like meant to be the big intro for my cleric, do a thing got thrown up against some creatures that with a cleric there should have been really easy. What the DM forgot is that I roll like shit. So <laughs> they came out, cast a spell that my cleric should be, yeah, fucking easy. Uh, two nat ones. I had advantage. Two nat ones. Great. Cool. I was incapacitated for the whole fight, which means that they had to basically yep. do the entire fight without the person who was designed to deal with this encounter. And that made it, like they almost died because of that. Um, and it was, I think, but it was round four that I like finally passed my save, um, which is crazy. Rolling with advantage four times and not passing a DC ten, <laughs> like I had like a plus five DC ten. I just had to roll a five on one of two dice. Know. Couldn't do it. Um, Have you ever rolled higher than a five in your life, though? Yes. <laughs> On the other game where he had to roll, yeah, one. where he had to roll twenty, <laughs> yes. <laughs> or if I'm just rolling for fun, if there's nothing like on the line, my sure. dice will roll quite well. The minute it's like, oh it yeah, really you good. need to roll, or this happens, yeah, no, dog shit rolls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, but Candelar Obscura does. Sound, it sounds awesome. Does sound pretty yeah, sweet. It sounds awesome. Um, I'd be definitely interested cool. in trying that out. Mm. So if you're ever if you're ever wanting to run a game and you're know, in need of players, give me a shout. I've so and then that's another thing going back to your what you were saying about threads thread I have like a lot of those one shots that I have been doing have just been a bunch of people on threads that are just like hey I'm interested in doing that so I was like you interested in streaming they're like yeah let's do it cool so I will put you on the casting list because <laughs> definitely definitely give me, I have, give me a shout I have a lot more in mind that I want to be making. So yeah, definitely. It it, it sounds good, and if it's you know, I, every time I've played Blades in the Dark, mm. it's been an absolute fucking riot. Um, just because of the way the system is is kind of built. I mean, the first yeah. one, it was literally I was GMing and playing as well. Because there was literally t- there was two of us, so we built the characters and went. You know what? It's still early. Shall we just? Run Fuck something, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I, I came up with a quick sort of heist. Oh my god, it went so fucking wrong so fucking quickly. <laughs> it was amazing. 
as it does. It was <gasps> people died. <laughs> they weren't meant to die, but people died. It was a simple smuggling operation, and people died. Well, yeah. it yeah, was fa- it was phenomenal. TTRPGs. Yeah, I, I just love my character for Blades of the Dark because he's awesome. He is. He, he is, is an awesome, awesome character. I've gone with a. He's like a 1920s style detective. Heck yeah. yeah. That's amazing. I love it. He even talks like a 1920s gangster with a nashy. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Oh my God. If when we do actually get around to. If we get around to playing that and you do not keep that up the entire session. I'm going to. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to punish you. That's fine. Do it. Bring it. All right. Shall we? Shall we take a wander over to the couch? Yeah, let's go for it. All right, Johnny. The couch is where we're going to answer some um, some listener questions. Mm-hmm. Awesome. If you wouldn't mind helping us out with that, absolutely, I would love. To. Right, Justin. Do you have any questions I have for us? Three questions. And I've got four. Fuck. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> All right, but I still think we should roll for initiative. Yeah, we should. We should. I, I, all right. So. It's annoying because one of my questions is actually for you. <laughs> what one's for me? Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Okay. So I'm going to pull out the dice here. Right. You get to choose between green or purple. Green because purple's your favorite. All right. But I'm not going to oh, be using Justin's it. not rolling. Oh, man. No. Okay. There we go. Yeah, I'm not going to be no, using it. Will, it, will, it will still roll badly. Watch. I am not going to be. I'm not going to be rolling purple today. I oh. am going to be rolling. Oh, your new one. Your new one. New Falatry yeah. dice from Cryptic Crits. Ooh, this is the first so time nice. it's so I'm nice. rolling this dice. That's so All cool. All right. That is fantastic. I'm in love with it. Yeah. Um, if it rolls shit, then that's another matter. <laughs> if- <laughs> uh, so rolling for initiative. All right. So mine rolled a three. Let me guess. I rolled a one. No, fuck you. You rolled an 18. Hey, look at that. Your luck is turning around. Go get a lottery ticket. (laughs) (laughs) Just going to pinch myself real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm awake. Wow. I'm dreaming. You're here. Oh, fuck. All right. Okay. Can I just point out, please do not hold that against Cryptic Crits Dice because it's still fucking phenomenal. (laughs) There was a 1 in 20 chance of that happening. Um, right. It happens. Well, my first question, I'll start with the one for you, because I think that's only fair. It was also the first one that they sent me. Um, All right. So this is from Sci-Fi, who's going wild on Kickstarter. He's doing a U, and I'm going to take full credit for that, because as we've established, I like taking credit for people spending money. Cool. Um, so Sci-Fi asks, what is the best change of the Pathfinder remaster? You know what I'm going to say. I know exactly what you're going to say. You I, know what the minute I read that question, I was tempted to just send him a message <laughs> saying he's going to say this. Fuck alignment. Yep. Yep. Dude, oh my God. They're getting rid of it. It's gone. It's gone. It's not, not getting it rid of it. It's gone. They don't have alignment anymore in Pathfinder. Alignment has been so pointless, pointless yeah. for so many years. Yeah. Uh, like, I, it's, it's, I mean, speaking specifically to D&D, like alignment's been useful to like, for me, the only use I've ever had for it was like explaining lawful evil for devils. Mm. Like yeah. lawful, they're following a code. Evil, they're fucking evil. Yeah. Like that's like the only time that I've ever been able to like appropriately use alignment. Outside of that, it's like I don't know. Yeah, 
be whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was just an archaic system that, that really doesn't hold any relevance anymore. No. Um, especially in in kind of the the newer wave of, of TTRPGs, which are, which are a lot more narrative, mm. a lot more character-driven, you know, to have these things which at, at the same time are very limiting but hard to define as well. It just, it makes no point it even existing. And the fact that they've removed it, yeah. oh, so happy. Yeah. <laughs> there was also, I remember watching um, Matt, the other Matt, uh, not Matt Mercer. Covil? Uh, Covil. Yeah. Matt Covil's uh, How to DM, like, series. Yeah, and yeah. He talks about how, like, alignment back then used to be like you have this kind of spell that you can use yeah. this like spell list that you can use and there's like a language that you have for your alignment for whatever mm. reason and you like if you break that you have to like move up there's like a whole mess of mechanics that they yeah. had with alignment yeah. and then that they, they got rid yeah. of since now you know since then and now it's just useless it's yeah. just like i'm chaotic good i guess <laughs> yeah and, and that was like the, yeah. the thing that I always like hated is people saying like that they would build a character out and then they would just act like a dick and be like, yeah, but I'm chaotic. So it's fine. It's like, no, you're just being a dick. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like there's yeah, a it, difference. It, it became the whole what my that, character would do. Um, I was literally just about to mention that my, my advice for, for anyone who says that is to say to them, don't do what your character would do. Do what you would do. As your character, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, oh, uh, that's what my character. My character would do this. Your character's a knob. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I. That's one of the things that I straight up tell. Like that's session zero right there. Mm. It's like, do not do that. Don't overtake somebody's spotlight that mm-hmm. we're doing. Don't steal things from other players. Don't fight other players unless we've already like <laughs> came to an agreement at the table. <laughs> this is okay. The only reason why I say that is because I have had multiple occasions mm. where we've had PC to PC fighting. Absolutely zero of them came out unscathed. Mm. Yeah. Zero. Because somebody's going to have like feelings hurt because, yeah. you know, they have a lot of, you know, stake in their character. Yeah. And then to have it end in this certain way in pro- most likely, let's be real, most likely a bullshit way is just super anticlimactic mm-hmm. and yeah. also sometimes pc v pc fights come from player v player yes. inter-party conflicts yeah that's always mm. a fun mess to deal with yeah so yeah i in my homebrew campaign i had a recent um situation in which there was pvp um and that was all narratively driven it was because one of the characters had basically been possessed for levels and levels ago and he'd been carrying this um but in the sort of background he'd been doing things not necessarily to undermine any any character but to kind of further his goals he was basically possessed by this worshiper of a god whose main edict is to get other people to fall so this guy spent levels and levels talking to the party cleric. Going, ah, oh, so, you know, what do you think of doing that? What do you think of doing this? And and just 
adding little things and it all came to light that this is what I'd been doing and we stopped the game we said right this this is where this is leading how right. does everybody feel mm. and it wasn't Perfect. until we got like a consensus of yeah this makes sense this is how we would react this is how we should resolve this and all right let's unpause and let's carry on and it, and it actually did turn out pretty well mm. um yeah but i have also had the opposite where one player out of sort of spite towards another player mm. has done things in character and then it's just time to go oi behave yourself yeah yeah that yeah. And it's always best, God, it's always best to nip that shit right at the bud. Like, if you see something that's, like, weird and you're feeling weird, talk to the other players. Be like, hey, yeah. what do you guys feel? If everybody's on a consensus, that's when you have to come together and yeah. talk about it. Because if you don't talk about it, it just gets worse. It doesn't, yeah. get, ever, it doesn't ever get better. Yeah. It doesn't. <laughs> It always gets worse. I think, I mean, it goes back to the, the the advice we've pretty much always said is just talk, be adults, use your mouth, use your words, yeah. talk. <laughs> the use your mouth thing. <laughs> I heard it. That's why I switched. Shut Crazy. up. <laughs> you, you said it and I immediately went, huh. What sort of games are you? What sort of games are you I said it as well. I was like, nope, not that. <laughs> well, oh, damn. <laughs> And that's on the internet. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that is. And it is going to be a soundbite. Yep. I did so well to avoid the soundbite last week. It's going to probably it, it's going to probably be the title of this episode. Yep. Hell yeah. Use your mouth. Use your mouth. Yep. Use your mouth. Uh-huh. So cool. Well, hopefully that answers that question. Uh, right. <laughs> okay. So uh, my first question is going to be from Corvus. Mm-hmm. Who's writing to us from Denova? Why are there so few trees? Someone needs to have a word with the landscaper. Oh. All right. So as a relatively new GM, I struggle with finding ways of making personal character arcs interesting for specific PCs. What advice would you give to someone who completely new to the role and wants to make the most of the characters given to you, even if they have an extremely minimal backstory? Oh. Mm, that's your first issue. That's, that is your biggest issue, really. If you don't have a backstory for your player, if you don't have any stake that your play, like that character has mm. in the world that you're playing in, there is absolutely fuck all that you can make for their, you know, their arc. You can, I mean, they can have, you know, I'm a, I, I was once a prisoner and I want to become like the king or whatever the fuck it is. I don't know. <laughs> you know, like you can have like a pretty vague arc. But if there's no backstory, that's not on you as the GM. That is on them as the player. They need to come up with something. They need to help. Mm. It's more collaborative than it is on the GM to create the story. Yeah, it's yeah. That's that's the first issue. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I'm I lean more in the favor of vagueness. Mm. You know, but give me something. Yeah, give me something to work exactly. with. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. in the Rune Lords game, one player came to me and just said, okay, I want my character to have amnesia. I want him to be from this part of the world. I want him to have amnesia, which was a mistake because I fucked him over because it gave me carte blanche to do whatever I wanted. Yep. 
But yeah, just keep it vague and then we can workshop things together. I think that's the key is like you've both said, it, it's collaborative, right? So they'll come up with a rough concept that you can then flesh out little bits of, but flesh them out with them. So if you come up with an idea to to do with their backstory, just say to them, hey, I'm thinking of doing something. Don't give it all away because obviously you want some of it to be like, aha, surprise, but like the rough idea or the rough concept and be like, this is what I'm thinking. How do you feel about that? Because then they also then feel invested in what you're creating for their character as well. Mm. Yeah. 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 I think um, one of the, one of the things to also like a great way to do that and to just talk about, you know, the characters is setting up those session zeros, but more than that, setting up follow-up one-on-one sessions. Mm. Like it's so hard in this day and age to just communicate over text. And I'm just assuming that's what this person is doing because that's how 99% of the population communicates at this point is either over discord or text mm-hmm. and if that is how you're communicating it's so difficult to send really big concepts over text and it's such a huge task that i understand why why players are just like i don't really want to have to write mm. this whole thing to i get it set up a time that you and that other player and then you know work your down work yourself down the line of sessions that you can talk about your character are are you are you a prisoner? You know, if you have amnesia, do you want to have that evil background? Maybe. And, you know, just throw like vague stuff out so that they know, because I know specifically I had a plan for one character and it was not what they wanted, but I didn't know how to communicate that mm. without giving it away. So also Asking your character, your, you know, your players, do you want spoilers? Do you want to know where this, yes. this storyline yeah. is going? If they do, tell them. Don't. Tr- you can hold bits back, but like try to tell them because sometimes those people are like super invested in the story. Yeah. And they want to be able to tell, you know, whatever story they have and follow that mm. storyline. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Mm. Um, in in terms of in terms of of how much heavy lifting the GM has to do, I think it does have to be a, a, at least a fifty fifty, yeah. if not a sixty forty yeah. on 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 the part of the player. The player comes up with ideas, the GM facilitates. Yeah, agreed. You know, and my preference for vagueness is then because I find it easier to make the necessary connections with the story yeah. rather than mm-hmm. shoehorning something in. So I I hope we've answered that mm-hmm. for us. Yeah. Right. My next one, also from Sci-Fi. Surprise, surprise. Uh, who is also looking at Humble Bundles 2. Oh, was, oh, oh, why is Black Friday so close to Thanksgiving and Christmas? Uh, ask us a question uh, I think mainly aimed at the D&D people here not so much yourself on this one Um, I'll fuck myself then shall I well no you can still answer it but (laughs) do you restrict characters buying uncommon and rare items 
That's a Pathfinder thing. Well, no, he, I mean, he also works the same in D&D, so he did specify D&D. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, it, it's the same in both, really. Um, it depends on, one, the item, um, and two, the, the setting and stuff as well, because in some settings, those kind of items just are a lot harder to come by, and in others, like, it might be listed in the book as a rare item, but realistically, it's not. Um, I mean, there, there's some in D&D that are listed as, like, super rare items but it's like a really common ring that you see in every single book that they publish so how rare is it at that point um so yeah it depends on the item and it depends on on the reasoning behind them buying it as well if they're buying it just because it's like to power game probably not if they're buying it for a genuine reason then i'm a little bit more inclined to do so um so yeah it depends would be my answer (laughs) what do you say johnny so Specifically to D&D. Common items usually don't do much. Mm. Um, so, like, there's... There's, like, a cloak of bellowing where, like, at any point you can make your, your <laughs> just, cloak just feel flaps. like it. There's, yeah. like, air. Yeah. So good. But, like, a lot of common items, they, they don't really have a lot of... Um, a lot of uses mm. outside of just, like, cosmetic stuff. Which, that kind of stuff, always, I will allow my players yeah. to buy. For sure. Um, uncommon items, that's when you start getting into, like, the more useful stuff, because, like, I think the Cloak of Protection, no, mm, I can't remember. I feel like the Cloak of Protection is... I have a character with one, bear with me. (laughs) If not, it's, it's a rare item, and I'm just off, but, um, (laughs) I think that, just like Justin said, it really depends on the setting that you're playing in because if you're making like a game of thrones type really low fantasy mm. setting they probably don't even have magic items yeah like mm. you might have like the you know the the dragon glass and that's it like there's nothing else that you can have if you're playing high fantasy then yeah it could be just like justin said rare is freaking common in your world and that's totally fine you could be a power gamer and that's totally fine i don't think there's a right answer i think it really fits to whatever you want to play with in your style um, of gameplay Mm. yeah my default um sort of stance on this is the common items are the things you can buy in shops when it comes to uncommon and rare, they're the things you find mm. or are given. Um, however, I do facilitate my players, and I and I think in the online games, I've actually got a, it's called Forian's Quest Log on Foundry, where players can go in and they create their own quest, but I use it as a wish list. Mm. So a player can kind of go, oh, I'd like to find this item at some point. And what I will do is I will see if I can kind of weave that into the story somehow, see if they meet an NPC with whom they, they, got on, they get on with, and that NPC, as they're leaving, goes, I want you to have this. And there you go. There's the item. Yeah. If not, it might get randomly rolled. Um, I say randomly because I will throw that in. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, but that's my default stance. Anything common you can buy, but anything like uncommon, rare, or unique, mm those are things that, that you find. I think as well for like the, the stuff that's 
you know, not, not as common. Um, it can also lead to a really cool kind of quest line, as you were just saying there, John, like yeah. you can, they can go into like a blacksmith and be like, Hey, I really want to get this type of armor. And he'd be like, well, I can make it for you, but I don't have the stuff. Um, yeah. And then it becomes a fetch quest, right? Of you need to go and kill that and do that and get the stuff from over there. And then as a party, you can all go, yeah, we don't really want to do that. Or yeah, that sounds like it'll be a lot of fun and go and do it. And then it becomes a, a big thing rather than just uh, walk into a shop, throw down a ton of gold and walk out with power up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I did. Uh, I did a fetch quest with a deck of many things. Uh, they were level five, I think. Ooh. Yeah, that was. That, it was fun, though. It was super fun. Honestly, uh, this is another Matt Colville thing where it's like so many campaigns fizzle out. Just fucking do it. Yeah. Just fucking do it. Just do it. You know, yeah. like it's going to create chaos. It's going to be fun. Your friends are going to talk about it. Like, even to this day, me and m- one of my other friends, like, we talk about he pulled six cards from the deck of many things in a row. It was, and didn't die didn't die wild it was wild yeah interesting so, <laughs> yeah yeah but like like we still talk about that to this day yeah. and we don't really talk about like whatever freaking oh i hit a nat 20 on this like dragon thing mm-hmm. like it's always it's, it's, always it's the chaos like, yeah the crazy shit yeah, yeah the chaos yeah yeah I, I do like to play with all the toys in the toy box it's true he does That's- <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's my GM's that I'll see oh that's gonna be fun it's how it's it's yeah. also why it's like really easy for me to like get him to spend money I'm like just think of all the new toys he's like mm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I've already spent I've already spent my money this month yep it's fine next month starts soon <laughs> alright okay so my next question mm-hmm. is from Am I, this is my second question, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, this is Couch. Oh, the man himself. The man himself. Planet Vulcan was the reference to Martin McFly's speech to his dad in the past. Yes. I fucking missed that. Yes. I didn't. So did you. No, I didn't. I was just choosing to let you have your moment. And you all alone. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> all right, so with the changes to game systems and reworkings, is there any skills in any system that still don't make sense to you? And an example that Couch has put up. For example, I still think survival is a skill that doesn't need to be a thing. A trained adventurer should be able to find mm-hmm. things with a good perception check instead. Yeah. So anything that you skill-wise think could be like either reworked or just flat out got rid yeah, of? Yeah, I think intimidation as a skill um, I don't like because there are so many different ways to intimidate people right you can do it through a physical show of strength you can use your words you can there's so many different ways that you can do it um that having it tied to charisma just feels a bit like like to to stand there and tell me that a barbarian who's dumped charisma would not be intimidating being the big hulking goliath that he is bullshit (laughs) so there is a way around that but it's not readily available mm. for everybody to know where it's like you use your strength yeah. instead of your charisma. Yeah. But like 
But on the sheet, it's, it's charisma. intimidation, yeah, charisma. charisma. Exactly, yeah. So any like newbie players or newbie GMs are just looking at that and saying, well, sorry. That's what it bad. says. Exactly. It isn't intimidating, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that, that's something that I always house rule to be. You can it, like you tell me how you're going to intimidate them and I'll tell you what to roll. Um, and I guess that goes back to the, the intimidation shouldn't really be a skill. It should just be a you tell me how you're going to intimidate and then you do a roll of that type. Um, for me personally, because yeah, yeah it, it just, yeah, <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. And obviously alignment as um, we've already discussed. <laughs> of course alignment. Yeah. That one's, yeah. I'm, so, I'm trying to, there's, there are. So one of the things that I personally don't understand with skill checks is a strength check versus an athletics check. Mm. So why is there athletics, which is your feats of strength and your athleticism mm. and abilities of, you know, physical prowess, whatever. But when you're trying to break a lock, that's a strength check, straight strength. I don't quite understand why that's a difference. Mm. I yeah. feel like athletics should cover breaking locks breaking open a door mm. or running into a wall for whatever reason to break it down, like stuff like that cool like man. should be under <laughs> athletics. But then I also understand why it's not because then you have, Oh my God, in, in Ravenloft misfits, it's a little bit later. So it's a bit of a spoiler, but there's a character that's a barbarian rogue <sighs> and they expertise into athletics. That's so fun. <laughs> so they're just wicked good at mm. athletics checks. So that's a point where it's like, okay, if you're putting a DC 20s, you know, athletics check, they're going to, they're going to get it pretty much every single time. That's one thing, but yeah, that's, that's one where I feel like there's a bit of a, a disconnect mismatch. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like there needs to be a better res resolution mm. with that. Yeah. I mean, in, in Pathfinder 2E, that is the, that is the case where you need to break a lock, you roll athletics. There is, there are no straight up ability rolls. Mm. You know, everything is tied to a skill. Yeah. One that I always disagreed with, which has been fixed in in the system that I play at least, but I do believe it still may be a thing. I don't know. I know it's a thing in first edition mm -hmm. uh, Pathfinder where it was perception was a skill. Yeah, that's it's still a skill. Yeah, it's. How do you train on noticing things? How do you train on seeing things uh, better? Have you never heard of detectives who spend their entire life learning how to look at things better? Yeah, it's that not would looking be investigation. It would be investigation. It would be investigation. I know. Yeah, I mean, I think for me with that, it's like you have a passive perception that's so high, but then you can roll and end up lower than your passive. Like if you weren't trying to look for it, you would have spotted it, but because you're trying to look for it, you missed it. That I hate. Um, I mean, I'm yeah, I'm not against perception being its own specific role, mm. but for example, in second edition, you just get perception on when you level up, your perception goes up, mm. and then you just automatically see. And then yeah, it's not something that you have to choose to spend skill. Sure. Yeah, you I know? don't necessarily think that that would be an issue. I think that honestly, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with Justin where it's like. You know, if you're taking if you're taking 10 and it's, you know, like 
the passive perception is higher than the the role that you make. F- fuck. <laughs> I mean, so, so the, what was the point like, of rolling? Yeah. So the way I I I kind of house rule that is, um, you will never score lower than your passive perception. So I will get them to yeah. roll it, and it's their passive perception or higher at that point. Yeah, because I think that's a great way. Yeah, to do their, it. their passive perception is what they're just going to see anyway. But if they happen to be looking for something particular, they're going to spot that particular thing because they've rolled better than their passive. So yeah. that's kind of how I get around that because there is nothing worse as well than like being on guard for the night and you're like sitting there and then it's like, yeah, you don't you don't see anything. Um, yeah, and then totally yeah, fine. everything's fine. And then like ten bandits just kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Right. It's like, what was what was their stealth roll? Like twelve. But my passive perceptions are thirty-two. It's like, cool. You still didn't Sorry see them. It. Yeah. Like, no. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and like you said, uh, Johnny, about five E, there is um, in Pathfinder Second Edition as well, and it's very hidden. So you need to know where to look. There is the rule that says the GM can determine mm. a different ability modifier yeah. for yep. said skill. Um, but yeah, it, I think that should be a bit more prominent. Yeah. I think those rulings should be a bit more easier to find. And every time we talk about skills, I always, without fail, mention what is up until now my favorite skill system. And that is our friend Malin's bind. Yes. Where he's got a, he's got a selection of skills, you know, um, thievery, stealth, you know, you, you usual, usual suspects. and it's it's set out in a table. So, for example, um, like the different, sorry, the different skills can be attributed to different abilities depending on what you want to do. Yeah. So, for example, climbing, you can have it tied to strength, where it's how athletic you are, but you can also tie it to intelligence of how well you're going to work out a path. Plan, and plan your route and all that sort of thing, yeah. It is a phenomenal skill oh, system. Yeah. And honestly, like, after, like, chatting with him about that, I've actually incorporated that kind of mindset into, if my players can give me a valid reason for using a different skill, I let them. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's why I typically, I personally, as a DM, don't like when a player is saying can i roll can i roll a history Mm. check or can i do an arcana check it's like well what do you want to do yeah that's what it really depends Mm. on tell me what you want to do narratively and i'll tell because perception and investigation are so similar but also so distinct that if you know the difference between them you know when it, you need to roll which, and a lot of players don't understand yeah. that difference. And so they're saying, oh, well, can I do a perception check? It's like, well, what are you trying, trying to do? Trying to yeah. Do? <laughs> yeah. There's also one, uh, one other skill thing that I, I don't like, which is that nature mm. is intelligence. I don't understand why it's intelligence because you have druids and rangers and I mean clerics, if they take the nature mm-hmm. side, all of them are wisdom. Yeah, they're all wisdom-based casters. So they're yeah. fucking useless when it comes to nature yeah. nature rules. And you're telling me, you're telling me that a druid that has spent their entire life in nature can turn into animals. Nature. That's, that's, that's like, you can become an animal. Uh, what kind oh, of animal is that? Rock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <but> <laughs> what animal like, are you? Exactly. <laughs> 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 
It's got four legs. That's I, what I know. That's got, I got four of these things and I meow. <laughs> that's one of the things that I've always yeah. had like an issue with. Like I get, I get it. I get why it's intelligence, but also it shouldn't be. Yeah, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't yeah. be. It should be wisdom. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, right. My final question. All right, go for it. I got two more uh, on the can. Also from Sci-Fi, who is sitting on his hands. Uh, because she cannot, can I take no more, Captain? That's just, that that's was, not going to be a soundbite. We've already got a soundbite. Um, but he, he <laughs> wants to know what the best deal or offer we have seen for Black Friday is. Oh, all right. In general, you know, this year I actually didn't really look on Black Friday very yeah, much. Me neither. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't look too much at tabletop role playing games. However, I'm just gonna get the guy's name up because he deserves a shout out because he did a Justin and made me spend money. <laughs> nice. Is it? Is it Grey Castle Press on Threads? Oh yeah. He's the he's the guy who published who published Journey, um, like the solo world building, mm. which by the way I've bought, which is fantastic. That's beside the point. But he posted. Um, a Black Friday deal for a software um, set of uh, graphic design tools called Affinity. There is a photo manipulation, there is a vector drawing program, and there is a publishing program. And yeah, it was like $95. And you just have the license. Yeah, you've got, not only do I have the license, but that license allows me to have it on both my Macs and my iPad. That's, that's pretty good. Awesome. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's yeah, that, that's rare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's really good. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it's British show is great. Yeah, Grey Castle Press. Um, so he made me spend money. No, that's I don't like people to go. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was a, a good um offer. I do I have seen I think Paizo were doing a fifteen percent thing. Um I went on drive through today and there's one for you, Justin. The new uh, Fabula Ultima book, Fabula Ultima Atlas. They've got it on there for 11 quid. Oh, I don't have money till Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> I think Renegade Game Studios also had a Black Friday. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, save up to 90%, but we always know that that isn't exactly mm-hmm. right. They have they have a bunch of games like uh, the Power Rangers TTRPG, the Transformers mm-hmm. TTRPG. I had gotten an email. I can't remember how much it was though, and of course now I'm <laughs> struggling to find it on their list of stuff that they have up to ninety percent. You know, but I I wanted to say that it was like forty percent off. That's not bad. Something crazy, yeah. yeah. I'm just keying up the website. <laughs> not that I'm going to spend any money. Of no, 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 of course not. No, of course. no, 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 definitely yeah. not. Definitely not. I'm going I'm to get a text oh. in like an hour's time. I, uh, I spent money. <laughs> no, no. I bought this thing. It's like, it's like when I bought the dice. It was, just, it was a picture of, picture of the dice and the word fuck. That's literally all he said me. Oh, speaking of those dice, Cryptic Crits actually has a sale on. So if you're going to get some fancy dice like mine, now's the time. Yeah, and they, they do look really, really good. They're fucking yeah. so nice. All right. They had they had made some specific dice for uh, our Candela game, mm. too. We, de- we never got it because there were some complications, but 
they sent me like the concept of it. It looked so cool. Yeah. It looked so cool. I'll I'll bug them and <laughs> post a, a <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Can start yeah. Definitely. Uh, right, but that's me all done for the old questions. So I guess you get right. to uh, back-to-back yours now. I get to back-to-back mine. Okay, so the first one is a question directly for Johnny. Oh. All right. This is from Erica Onderwin from Threads. Um, actually, she's actually got how to pronounce that in her bio. So thank right you, Eric. <laughs> thank you, Erica. That was very helpful. Um, okay, so her question for Johnny is, what initially drew you to the Candela Obscura system and what keeps you? So I think, well, I'm... It actually starts a little bit before Candela. I have always been like a really big critical role person. Um, I've always... I. I delved into it in campaign two and then I've just been in it since then. Mm. Um, but they started announcing the Candela Obscura stuff. And so I thought I'm a content creator. This is a great opportunity to, you know, start with what I want to be doing on the side of my, you know, actual plays, which is like making videos of how to play TTRPGs and things like that. Um, so that's what initially got me into it was, that I like critical role and they came up with that new thing. Um, but what keeps me there is the difference in running that I have in Candela that I don't have in Dean. Candela mm. is a lot more cinematic and a lot more. Um, I, I think it's a lot more player driven. Like the way that I prep Candela Obscura is vastly different than how i prep D because D you have those dungeon crawls that are very mm. baked into that system because there are specific abilities that you can use in those dungeon crawls and specific combat things that you can do it's it's something that like with candela it's very broad i show you what is happening in this room and you go ahead and figure out what you want to look at. I have clues. I don't have what's exactly in this room. And a lot of that comes into like improv, which, you know, some GMs might have an issue with. I understand that. <laughs> but I mean, you could prep it however you want. But for me, I really like the light work mm. that comes with prepping and GMing this game. And I like that. I like the Eldritch Horror. I I figured out that I like doing horror games a lot. I never really knew that until I started like running Curse of Strahd and I was like, oh yeah, this is why I've always wanted to run it. Okay, got it. And then I got Candela Obscura. I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, this is my thing. Cool, right on. So, yeah, I really like the lightweight that the GM has to do. Um, it's such a simple TTRPG. Like I explained it to you in like five minutes on how to play the game. You just go make a character and boom, you're done. Like you get to play something. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's what keeps me in that, in Kendall Obscura. You've, you've definitely sold me on it. Um, I'm, I'm definitely itching to give it a whirl. And I, I do get what you mean regarding, um, the, the game prep. Um, the game, the, the sort of games I run are either going to be Pathfinder, Delta Green, Blades in the Dark. Cypher. Um, they all have very 
specific ways of prepping. Delta green is information. You've got a ton of information and everything else is whether those players access that. Blades in the Dark, which is going to be very similar to Candela, is you get your points, you get your your starting point, your complications, what what they're looking for, and everything else is going to come out with improv and with dice rolls. Right. And I think it's fantastic. It just eases the burden on the GM. And I do like a bit of um, player interaction and player agency yeah. in, in the world that, that, that I run. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think can, the tension can, too. The tension mm. is, a, is a big deal too. I, like, I was kind of like going back and I love those moments where it's like, are you going to die right now? <laughs> like, probably. Like, you might. Who knows? But it's, it's like, you know, it, it's always in question whether you're going to make it or not. And I like those high stakes things. Whereas like in D and D. Yeah. You don't really get them very often. They're going to live. Yeah. They're going to live. They have, and if they die, they're going to live anyways, because there's revivify. So like, there's not a whole lot at stake. Like there is, but there isn't, yeah. you know? So I think what, what kind of draws me to her, and this is kind of just bouncing off what you said regarding the tension is that regardless of the type of game you're playing, if you're doing horror, it's very easy to understand. It's very easy to to get into the mindset. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're playing Pathfinder and you you you're delving in a dungeon, you're a you're a fucking superhero with a sword. So it it's Pretty hard much. it's hard to put yourself in those shoes. But when you are in a situation where an eldritch abomination is coming out of the corner of the room and that happened, you can very easily, as a player, go, oh, fuck, we need to run. Yeah. This isn't something that we're going to... There is no chance sort of thing. Right. And I think it's very easy to make that connection and players get a lot more invested. And I I love running horror. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with, like, making it more uh, modern setting, too. Mm. Whereas, like, it's more applicable. Yeah. As well, like what you're saying, where it's like, yeah, okay, this giant creature, I'm just fucking Joe Schmo. I, I'm not going to be able to take that. Let's get in the car and let's get the fuck yeah. out of here. Yeah, 100%. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you've, you've definitely sold me on it. Well, good. <laughs> All right. Justin so, is happy. I'm not going to buy it just yet, Justin. I've got lies. I've got to buy. I've got to buy Christmas presents first. All right, all right. Quick start guide. I'll allow it. It's free. I'll allow it. <laughs> the quick guide. I'll I'll take a look at the quick guide. <laughs> yeah. All right. So my last question of the evening comes from Constant Connell or Connell. I don't know how he pronounces that. Next time I will have to ask him. <laughs> but we'll go with Constant Connell. He's someone I've interacted with massively on Threads. Such a great fucking guy. Um. So he asks. And I love this question. When was the golden age of tabletop role-playing games? What made it that way? And do you think the hobby is getting better by whatever definition you choose or worse? All right. What do you guys think? I might have an interesting take, but I think we are in the golden age. I was about to say the same thing. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I think we are in that golden age where we are 
we are learning from past mistakes mm. of making things that are, you know, uh, sexist or racist or ist, 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 all, 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 all of, of the them, ists, yeah. all of them. We're taking all of those bad concepts, revising them and deleting them and then creating something that is better. Mm. Not only that, and John, I know you're going to hate this, but D and D brought in a lot of people. D and D five E brought in a lot of people and not, just D&D 5e critical role yeah. and stranger things yes. specifically yeah. those two powerhouses brought in a bunch of people and yes a lot of those people stayed in D&D but like me they actually branched yeah. out and they found other types of TTRPGs when when you learn like one thing of course i know that there's like the abomination of applying it to other other systems when there's a system specifically for that but I think that right now with how many people are here and how versatile these stories are and how much we're leaning into the narrative side mm. of things rather than the boom, boom, shoot em up kind of thing, I think right now it's the, the golden age of TTRP. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would agree with that. That's, that's kind of what I was umming and ahhing about, about whether I could say it. But now that you've said it, I don't mind agreeing with it. Um, <laughs> because, like, I, I think, like, especially now with the the accessibility of it all as well, it's just so much easier to get into this as a hobby as well. It's no longer kind of one of those things that, you know, the the nerdy kids are doing in their mom's basement anymore. And like, it, it used to have all of these negative like connotations that it's just not, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are still some people who think that way. That's not going to change for a very long time, but it's becoming a lot more um, sort of out there and, and, open for people to get involved in and the the community as well isn't so guarded on who they let in these days as well to a degree right i mean again it used to be a case of if somebody who didn't fit that stereotype tried to play everyone would be like no whereas now people are like yeah fucking come along dude like join in right um yeah and there's so many systems and stuff available now that if you do come in through 5e and don't enjoy it there's going to be something else that'll you know, float your boat. Like, John, you tried 5e, wasn't for you, you stuck with Pathfinder. Happy days. I came in through Pathfinder and ended up in 5e. Like, there's so many ways to kind of come in and then go, oh, this is quite fun, but this system isn't quite for me. Type it into Google. Oh, look at all of these other ones. Right. And then suddenly- yeah, I mean, fantasy alone has like- yeah. <laughs> 20, no, more than 20 different types yeah. that you can play and try and find the one that you specifically like that yeah it doesn't just end with the end yeah i i also agree um i think we are living in the golden age i think what a time mm. to be a tabletop role player yeah. there's there's no other way about it and i do know some veterans of the hobby who probably disagree and mm-hmm. probably kind of go no you know when um ad and d first came out and don't get me wrong that was a that was a big moment that mm-hmm. was a big shift in in the popular culture and the and the popular lexicon but the the shift has happened again yeah. and it's bigger mm-hmm. and it's more and it's bolder and it's got a wider net than it ever has before and yes i will give credit where credit is due the Adventure Zone, which was the first popular actual play, mm. 
critical yeah. role, which was like three months later, mm. and that came out, and that just seeing the following that that has, yeah. um, and then even even to their credit, five um, E. You know, 5e was the entry point for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, it just so happened that the person that brought us into the hobby was a Pathfinder yeah. player. But that could have gone either way quite mm. easily. And I could be sat here and not worried about the Pinkertons <laughs> knocking at my fucking door. <laughs> but it, it has <laughs> got to a point, we've got to a point now where... Certain behaviors mm. in this community are called yeah. certain yeah. gatekeeping, certain behaviors, certain attitudes, certain. It's like, no, you need to fucking stop. Yeah. This yeah. game is better than it ever was before because of the wider net, because yeah. of the different voices, the different perspectives that this this hobby has now, which it didn't before. Mm. And yeah, 100%, we are in the golden age. And from, from my opinion, it is only going to get better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, to talk a little bit more about that point, like there are more just diverse creators now yeah. that it's not just that western european lord of the rings type of fantasy setting anymore like um oh shit i don't know his social media i'll have to look it up but i'll i'll have it by the end of this but um <laughs> emerald templars i think That's uh new. just came out it's a new yeah d'angelo murillo uh emerald templars is a new ttrpg that just came out that i believe is I, I want to say Salvadorian, but I think I'm wrong. Um, but I know it's it regardless, there are a lot more like diverse type of storytelling mm. things that you can do because of different cultures that are bringing in their cultures yeah. to this game, and you can then explore them respectfully yes respectfully which is completely different from oriental adventures you know way back when (laughs) um yeah i think as well like Uh, with with the the growth and player base will also come a growth in creators as well right because people are going to come into this and then they might see something go huh there is a gap here that doesn't represent my culture and where i'm from i could build something that does and then ta-da, new system, new game, new stories, new new everything again. Um, so yeah, I absolutely think that it's only going to go up from here. And I think we are definitely in that golden golden bubble right now. Yeah. Yeah. What a, what a time to up. be playing this yeah, game. Absolutely. Just to follow up, um, so it is just different cultures and um it's mainly just to represent anybody that has dark brown skin. Anybody that's not fucking white, <laughs> because that we have so many we of do. those out we there <laughs> that this was something. Oh, and it was funded on Kickstarter under 24 hours. Jeez. And and going back to the question that we had, uh, there is a Bla- uh, Black Friday deal. I believe it's 20 or 30 percent off. Um, damn it. <laughs> yeah, so. So just keep, so that, yeah, in just mind. keep that in mind, John. Going keep, keep that in mind. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to keep that uh-huh. in mind. 
I'm having a lot Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, honestly, my only goal in every one of these recordings is to get John to spend money. That that is all I'm here to do. Money, that is all yeah. I'm here to do. It's the only reason I agreed to even do this podcast in the first place. Uh <laughs> Honestly, I think I think we already I think we succeeded. Yeah. Quite a few and, times actually. I'm on drive for <laughs> There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's already there. Yeah. Good. Well, Amazing. while I'm doing that, I think it's about time we close. Yes. Um, so I want to thank everyone who sent in mm-hmm. questions. So that's Corvus, Sci-Fi, Erica, Couch, and Constant Cannell. Um, huge, huge thank you to Johnny for yeah. for coming here yes. and slumming it with us for a bit. <laughs> of course. Um, yeah, I had a lot of fun. It's been absolutely amazing to get to know mm-hmm. you and keep definitely keep me in mind for some of that Candela Obscura stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I have quite a few different ideas coming forward, so I will have more one-shots coming forward as well. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, as always, I'd like to thank my co-host, Justin, for spending some time with us That's this evening. That's all right. All right. Do you want to tell people where they can find you on the internet? Yeah, go on then. Um, so you can find me pretty much anywhere at Just an Accurate TV. Um, I also stream playing video games and stuff sometimes on Twitch, but not that often at the moment. Um, and obviously on our Facebook page and in the Discord as well. Thank you. And Johnny, do you want to tell people where they can find you and where what sort of things they can find you doing? Yeah, um, I'm the creator of talking xp um so you can find me on social media at talking xp um i am always running the ravenloft misfits so if you're interested in curse of strahd and you are not into D like john might be <laughs> but you're interested in horror and curse of strahd and vampires and gothic horror and all that stuff check out that campaign we're on episode like 73 or something like that. So there is plenty of content and I, I like to make sure that it is under three hours. So it's not critical role, usually hitting around like two hours. So just keeping that in mind. Um, but outside of that, I'm running Candela Obscura pretty often. Um, and outside of that, I'm mainly on threads. I'm on TikTok as well, mainly on threads right now. I kind of haven't been doing too many TikTok videos recently. It's just such a chore, man. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, find me on there. Say hey. As for me, you can find me at Natural Juan at dice.camp on Mastodon. Um, you can also find me. I'm the person that is behind our social media presence on threads, Blue Sky, Instagram, uh, TikTok. But I am most active on threads because I think it's safe to say I've found my home mm-hmm. on there and it is fantastic. Um, coming up next week, we're going to make a few changes to the show. Yes. So definitely look out for that. I'm going to keep people updated during the course of the week. Um, coming up in a couple of weeks, we're going to have a one shot with our friends over at Crossing the Nerdverse, where I'm going to be running a very Christmas episode of Blades in the Dark. Which is going to be fucking phenomenal. So good. <laughs> and what else? We also now have a merch store. Yes. If you guys want to check it out, um, we go to our link tree. We've got. Uh, I haven't done all the integrations with our website yet, but still working on that. But we do have a shirt and a mug up there. Um, 
if you like what you've heard tonight, don't hesitate to to give us a review. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you disliked. Give us a rating. And more importantly, tell your friends. You know, the, the only way we can grow is if more people actually pay attention. And lastly, I just want to give the biggest thank you to everybody who has taken time out of their busy days to listen to two absolute idiots waffle on about tabletop role-playing podcasts, this time with a guest who does know what he's talking about. <laughs> thank you very much. Good night. See you later, guys. Bye.